Hello everybody, welcome on in to another fantastic episode of The Confused Gentleman. My name is Kip, I am your host, along with my co-hosts, WD and Christian. This is season three, episode number three. It should be number four, but we had recording uh, issues from one of the members. Jeez, uh, Dobbs. Let's get it to it's yeah. not me. Yeah. So, so technically this is this should be number four, but we're really on number three. Uh, we have a very special guest today, uh, Sensei Dan Khalil. He was with us on an early episode when we first started, probably episode five or six. And we had a wonderful conversation. Ten. It was episode 10. Was it 10? Yeah. Okay. My I'll bad. to it today. Sorry. Uh, so, a brief, if you don't remember, Sensei Dan is a friend of mine and business networking partner. We met a few years ago. He is a martial arts expert or karate expert. I always forget, Dan. I'll let you clarify that when we get to you. I am, but go ahead. I am by far... I'm the furthest thing from an expert, but I appreciate the compliment. You strive for excellence, though. That, we'll, that's we'll a stick good way with to it. put it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he runs his own dojo up here in Michigan, and he does fantastic work. Uh, so welcome on in. Nice to see you again, Sensei. As always, it's been a while. No, we, you and I haven't seen each other, I think, through this whole COVID process. I don't think we've met up once, have we? No, we haven't, although... Uh my attendance at Ambassador has been quite regular and frequent, so you know where to find me. You can always join me. <laughs> we do need to uh, – before we get into everything, I went down and saw the boys a couple weeks ago, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. I traveled down to Atlanta, and we stopped at this cigar bar as we were waiting for our dinner reservations. And uh, what was that place called, Dubs? Oh, God. I forget. It starts with the M. It's at the Battery. I can't remember. Well – it doesn't matter. So we had a nice cigar. Uh, I had a nice Java brand, you know, nice chocolate and cherry flavored cigar. It's fantastic. But boy, did we get suckered in on the uh, the old fashions. That <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, WD here order, or, orders an old fashioned, costs us nineteen bucks a drink. So whoopee. That's, that's a good night out. I'm currently at Ambassador right now. Actually, I was going to go. Back Are you really? I am. I was going to go to the dojo to record this, but. I, uh, I had a half day of work this evening, and I left the dojo, and I came up here, and I said, well, I'll just record in the back room, and then I don't have to leave. So, <laughs> Fantastic. Good job. That's awesome. So, all right, Dan, go ahead and introduce yourself, kind of give a, a little background of what you do, and then we'll get into our main topic of discussion. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, good to see everyone again. Thank you for having me. My name is uh, Daniel Khalil. I'm the sensei and director of a karate school located in Troy, Michigan called The Dojo. It is a traditional Japanese karate school, and we put a lot of emphasis on character development and the upbringing of our youth and of our people in society, teaching good quality martial arts, but also trying to create artists of life. Um, I would like to say a martial artist is an artist of life, and we hope that what we do can continue on. I've been in martial arts almost 30 years now and I hope that my goal is to to be able to take what I learned what I've learned and pass it on to the next generation so that way I can retire down to Columbia and it'll continue to go on. <laughs> oh, Columbia's in the plans, huh? Oh. Yeah, I went last year and fell in love and I'm going back in November. I'm kind of scouting out where I think I might end up, but yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I can attest, I've seen his dojo, I've seen him at work, and this guy takes a real passion 
for educating and demonstrating his art and his knowledge and, and it's just fantastic so what uh, what's your topic for today i know you set up different lectures and, and talking points and things like that so what yeah, are we going I, for if i remember correctly when we left left off uh, towards the end there we had made a mention of you know potential topics that we would talk about in the future and one of the things that i've started to really delve into and and dissect uh, as deeply as possible are the reasons that you know that we do things and a good cornerstone or one of the main cornerstones of that uh, is the concept of motivation versus inspiration and i know a lot of people use those words interchangeably and i'm sure a uh, matter of perspective would create that opportunity where you could use one for the other. But I wanted to take a different approach and try to understand, is there is there a difference between the two? And if so, when when can we apply or when is one better used for us than, than the other? And, and there are, I'm sure there are different stages in our lives where we need or we experience or we do things because we're a little bit more motivated to do them and then there are other times where we are inspired to do things. So I figure we could talk a little bit about that and the difference between motivation and, and inspiration. Sounds like a good idea to me, right up our alley, alley and what we'd like to talk about. Well, cool. I, I'll, I'll start by saying this. Three, three things that I always consider and three what we call the three laws are guidelines not only for the reasons why things are happening, but also can lead to the solutions of whatever challenges or situations, both positive and negative, that we find ourselves in. And I think these three laws kind of set up a very good base and grounding uh, then to support the, the factors, both the motivating and inspirational factors behind our decision making. So I'll start with the three laws, and the first law is the law of dominant emotion, and I'll talk about that in just a second. And then the second law is the law of concentrated attention, and the third law is the law of cause and effect. And I'm not sure if we talked about that in depth or even or if we touched on it a little bit in the last, last um, recording that we did, but I do think that they're really important to bring up because I think it gives us a good direction for the, the factors or the reasons why, why we make the choices that we do. And choice is our most powerful ability as human beings, right? The most capable thing we have is our ability to choose for ourselves. And when we're talking about choice, we're, we're doing it for, for a reason. And so now we can kind of get into are these motivating factors or are these inspirational factors? And then we can recycle back into the three laws and how they can affect that direction. So on a, on a general or on a very basic understanding, and maybe, and I would encourage people maybe to disagree or have other opinions, but this is kind of what I've dissected. On a very general understanding, motivation is a product of fear. We do things, we are motivated to do things because of what will happen if we don't do them. I think about when I was a kid and I was, I cleaned my room because if I didn't, I would get in trouble. 
right? I, I did my chores around the house because I was afraid of getting yelled at or I was afraid of getting in trouble or I was afraid of catching my old man's wrath. So I did things out of, uh, out of fear, right? I made sure that certain things were done because of, of being afraid of what would happen if they didn't get done. So that, that's the way that I look at, at motivation as a product of fear. We do things because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't do them. You know, we, we sometimes are motivated to work for the simple fact that we have to pay our bills, right? Well, we don't really want to be doing something, but we all know that we can't not pay our bills. And so we might not love what we're doing and it might just be another job, but that's reason enough. That's um, a push enough. And that's the way that I approach motivation. The word move is right in there. So we're mm -hmm. being pushed to do something. And a lot of times that can feel forced. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe as a maybe as a kid, maybe as a young teen or someone coming up, we need those motivating factors. We need that presence of of fear or of being, you know, being scared to say, "Okay, I I don't want to feel this way. I got to make sure I get my job done." Or, "Man, I don't want to feel that way again." So, even though this isn't the greatest of situations, I have to go and do this. It's a have to. Where could you in, go ahead? I was say, could you say that motivation? I know you said uh, for you is for is by fear. Could mm -hmm. you say that about any emotion though? Could it be by happiness? By you see someone so happy, you know whatever aspect you're looking at them at, that you're motivated to be like that person. Now I, know, I feel like that could get into the inspirational part, maybe a right. little bit. Right. But. I was just, as you're saying that, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe sadness, maybe happiness, you know, cheerfulness, all these other different emotions that one experiences. Um, could you be motivated by that as well? Yeah, I think, and and I think that's one of the situations where it just really comes down to how people define motivation, right? Because then it can be used interchangeably. I've created for myself a distinction because I want I want to connect to something greater than, you know, I want to connect to a greater purpose, right? right and so right. when I when I do that, then that for me transitions into inspiration. Inspiration mm -hmm. is a product of love, right? F motivation, product of fear. Inspiration is a product of love. So if motivation is a product of what comes out of doing something for the fear of what happens if we don't do it, inspiration is the exact opposite. Inspiration is us doing something because of what will happen when we do do it, right? Uh, Dr. Mangan, Kip, every day in his office, uh, I, the, the chiropractor code, right, is to, is to tell the story and to create miracles in your office every single day. Well, there, there are in all sorts of occupations and businesses and and. and in jobs and things like that, there's a lot of people who present a lot of, of obstruction and, and challenges to what we do because everyone everyone, we're all guilty of this, thinks that we know best. And yet for some and yet for some for some reason, for some greater purpose, he wakes up every day, he goes into the office and even if it's just for one person, tries to, to create a miracle. That's that's waking up and being pulled by something that's 
being pulled by a greater reason or a greater purpose. So where motivation is a pushing factor, inspiration is a, is a factor of being pulled to something, being called to something, being connected to something that is greater and that is your why, right? So to, for your example, you might see those emotions uh, let's say happiness, and you might see examples of that, and that right there is is all the why you need. I just want to be happy, and so then you find mm-hmm. you find the ways that that work for you within your structure, your family structure, your life structure, your business structure. You find the things that you can come to peace with, so that way you can operate to the best of your ability, and that's what makes you happy. But the greater purpose there, right, is is I just want to be happy. Or I just want to be content. So I find that being pushed only goes so far. Um, a good example would be in the dojo is as sensei, it's, it's my job to encourage the students to continue to want to grow, to learn, and to improve what they're working on. If it's constantly, if it's phrased like it's constantly, you know, do this for me, or you have to do this, or you know, this is the way that it's done. It's, that's being pushed. And sooner or later, we've all been there. We've all been somebody telling us telling us what we have to do or how it should be done. And we just get fed up with there. And sometimes, mm-hmm. we, you know, the more we're told to do something, the less we want to do it, right? Um, yeah. but, but when we can connect to our own reasons why. So if I, can, if I can teach a student to connect to something like, earning his black belt or her black belt and why that, how that would impact their life in a positive manner. Or if I can get them to connect to something more than just because Sensei said so, then now they're doing it on their own accord. Now they're doing it because it's genuinely now something that they want to do for themselves versus something that somebody else is telling them to do. There's a lot of parallels in our fields uh, Dan and I know with your dad being in the chiropractic field, you understand more than I do. But I really like your push and pull mm. analogy for it. Um, when you were before you were saying that, I was t- writing down that there's there's obviously a lot of overlap between motivation and inspiration. But I kept putting coming back to that motivation is more in a group setting or societal factor, or you're mm-hmm. doing something for betterment of others, right? To try that. Whereas inspiration is all about you and your individuality and about getting yourself to grow to higher levels that you don't know that was my first thought when i wrote when i was thinking of this i think that's fascinating actually because i i have taken the complete opposite approach to that so i think that's really great that we can be discussing the same thing and we're receiving it differently i don't think that one way is is more correct than the other i think it's Mm -hmm. applicable to you know how how we choose to live our lives right and yeah. i i think it's i think it's quite the opposite i think i think a lot of motivating factors are are on an individual level the things that we do day to day the things that we do in our smaller circles and how it affects not just us but the ones around us on a short term scale where inspiration is is for the betterment of of others what what can i do to make what can I do to make a difference? What can I do to create the change that I want to see, right? So, and I, that has a, a, a mass effect on our community or on a, 
whether it's a, a, a local or a state or a global scale, however big you want to dream and go for. But it's like that. I'm trying to think. My, it's escaping me right now. I, um, but it's right. Our greatest fear is not that our, that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Mm-hmm. And some people yeah. are like, yeah. what you know? Who am I to make a difference? Who am I to be the change? Who am I? Like who am I? Right? When right. the actuality is, you are. You could be. If that's what you if that's what you are called to do, if that's what you're being pulled to do, to say, you know what, this is what I'm seeing in the world, but this is how I want to have a positive impact, not only in my lives but in the lives of the people around me, and maybe that is just a small drop in the bucket, but it has a, a mass ripple effect. Then mm-hmm. why not be that person? Why not be the change? Right, be the change that you want to see. I think that's a very I think that's a very inspirational way of thinking. It's uplifting. Even that word inspiration, inspire, means to uplift, right? Mm-hmm. So what can we do as individuals to to uplift the community? And I think that goes back to connecting to something greater than just ourselves. Right, gotcha. Right. And so if we go back to the three laws, the law of dominant emotion, right? If our, And this is going to be flexible and fluid depending on the situation. Because the dominant emotion could be something really happy. It could be good. It could be positive. But it could also be something like frustration or sadness, right? And so if we're if our dominant emotion, for example, is fear because we're afraid of losing something, well, now, now everything that we're trying to do, that is the catalyst. It's like, all right, I, I don't want to lose this. I need to hold on to this. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's desperate, but also maybe it's ne- it's necessary. Right. There are times where being pushed is very necessary. Uh, football mm-hmm. coaches are very good at doing that for their players or any sports you know, coaches are good at doing that at their players. But then there, uh, there has to be a good balance between pushing them to do something and then also connecting with them so that way one or two of those players then step up and start to lead by example. That's inspiring. Right. Mm-hmm. Majority right. of the majority of the team feels like they're being pushed, but there's those two or three individuals that see it for what it is. They connect to that and then they step up and and then lead by example. And then those players are the ones that go on to be named captain and stuff like that. That's uplifted. Right. Those, yeah. You see yeah. you see the connection there. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I think there's a time and a place for both of them. You, sometimes you're going to need to be motivated to do things and sometimes I think most times we're motivated to do things and I think that's why people put a, a positive spin on it it's like it's a it's a grind it's a grind but we've all been pushed we've all been pushed to keep going and then we've also been pushed to I'm done with this like I've been pushed too far I just don't want to do this anymore right we've all experienced those mm-hmm. those feelings um but when we can find something that inspires us, maybe it's a person. Ooh, my ear popped Maybe it's a person. Maybe uh, it's a an event. Maybe it's something that uh, has happened for, or that that we read about. Whatever it is, we've all been inspired, and we then we start to draw parallels and connections. Like, okay, what can I connect to? Or what is the question I always ask? Is what is my why? Yep. Yeah, you know, and and I'm not a father yet, 
but I can imagine for most for most everybody that's the that's probably the the most common denominator is my kids that's probably most people's mm-hmm. why right my kids mm-hmm. my family and so if we go back then of our dominant emotion let's say is um, well, what's a good one determination love? yeah love the love is a good one then the next law is the con- you know concentrated attention well everything that we do then everything that we're focusing on where we are concentrating our attention where we are putting our our focus everything then is is a product of that right and and it feeds it feeds into that so then we start acting that way the choices that we make are a direct reflection of where we are putting our attention if we're putting our attention like it's the old saying right what you put in is what you get out and so if you don't have a why then it's easy to get burnt out but if you have that why if you have that purpose if you have that purpose then when you're tired and when you're fatigued and when you're exhausted and when you just want to give up that that purpose that reason that why is what what's smacks you in the face and is like oh yeah i have to keep going <laughs> you know and then the then the third law the law of cause and effect is 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 what we see is the product of of our efforts and our and our hard work right it's a direct relation of if I'm doing this, these are the things that happen. If I'm not doing this, these are the things that happen. That's cause and effect. So how we how we get there is different for everybody, but I think at the core, the simple question is what is your why? No, that's that's a really common saying for anybody who's who has a passionate project or work is if you don't if you don't have that desire, you don't have that fortitude to pursue something greater than yourself, you're not going to burn out. Um, I am personally a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Have you heard of him? Yes. yes. I've seen multiple short clips of him where he brings that up all the time, and especially with this younger generation, that you have people burning out or who are making up problems because they don't have – an answer of where they want to go. No one's right. told them that you do suck at football, so figure something <laughs> else out, right? No no <laughs> one's told them that that or the opposite is true where you tell them like, look, you can be something greater, and all of a sudden their eyes light up. So it it's necessary that you have that you have to have something to clinch onto, something bigger than just for yourself or, or with yourself being the priority. It, whether that, you know, the kids, a family or go greater to humanitarian aids and or if you want to go build houses in the, you know, third world countries. I mean, there's something there for everybody to, 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 to latch onto. Well, that's the, that's ideal, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think that, I think people of our generation and people of older generations, uh, I think, were brought up that way a little bit more than kids of this generation. Like you just said, I see a lot of kids that just have no no direction. They just have no idea, no, no direction. And to be honest with you, with the way that society is going, everything, it's, it's, it's ironic because for as connected as as social media can make 
situations, it is also completely disconnecting people yeah. simultaneously, right? Um, yep. Do you do you have I, a I, do you have a thought of why this next generation, like millennials, but the younger, because we're kind of on the upper end of millennials. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're older so than millennials. You, yeah. yeah, the younger ones are than Gen Zers. Why do you think that they don't have either you know the the, the drive the uh, the inspiration for that matter to to make themselves better and to make their community or their surroundings better honestly because people have gotten people have gotten soft and sensitive mm-hmm. too too soft and too sensitive yeah. and maybe that'll hurt some feelings of, Which... of listeners and things like that but <clears throat> the answer to that question is accountability that's right. why nobody is being held but accountable for for their actions to an extent and social medias don't really don't really help that situation and so so now people can do things and say things without being held 100 percent accountable because they can hide behind the computer screen Mm. right so do you do you think that has to do with how accountable these People, these uh, kids, or I guess our age, because it's really our generation that are having kids right now that are, or just a little bit older than us that have kids that are not being held accountable and not knowing that they need to be held accountable. So, do you think it's our generation and, and people a little bit older than us who were held maybe too much accountability? Good point. Because, I mean, it, it, because it brings- you know, like you said earlier that you could just uh be driven so hard so hard so hard and then you're just like oh, i'm just giving up mm-hmm. you know what i mean so do you think it, it, it might have trickled down a little bit to that yeah i think i think parenting style like that has has disappeared because right. now all of a sudden people are being Babied. judged and criticized for how they parent right mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah. think think about what was accepted when we were coming up (laughs) right right and think about what's accepted now and i think that people are very sensitive to others in the sense that they i think they're a little bit afraid to do what their parents did i think they're a little bit afraid to do what their grandparents did and maybe Mm -hmm. I, i think it's still i think for some people time will tell you know which method is and I use quotations there is is better, but there has to there. I think there's a lot to be said for tough love, you know. Um, right. I can speak from my own experiences. Right. I would come home from school, and before I went to the dojo as a as a kid, my dad would make me, and and make me is the perfect word. Would make me go downstairs. Uh, motivate you yeah yeah exactly he'd put a video on of of karate stuff and make me practice before i went to the dojo right and Mm -hmm. his hard nose driven you know it's going to be this way approach uh you know back then as a kid of course i hated it but looking back on it you know it, it gave me so many tools and understandings now that i'm older right 
of approach and and how to do certain things. And I think we've ex- I think we've all experienced that, right? Back back oh, yeah. then we all hate it, but but then we look back now and we're like, oh, that old bastard was right. You know? Right? Like, he's yeah. not just an old 100%. dinosaur. Like and we're so grateful for that. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're like we're so grateful for that. Um, I don't see that anymore. I see I see snippets of it because I deal with a lot of families. Right. Uh, but but more so I see I see so many kids who are running the show and not parents who are parenting. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to call a spade a spade, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't see parents parenting anymore. I see kids running away the show because every little thing has to be taken into consideration. And that's just not the way that it is, okay? Like, You have a responsibility once you have a kid to, to, to yourself, to the, to the kid. And then to society. Mm. It's your job to raise them as a decent human being, right? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Absolutely. My dad and used so to always I... say that I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your dad. <laughs> and when you leave here, you're going to be the best person I can make you. Like, it's not – my dad used to never give us any time of day. It was his way or the highway and because and, he was a football coach. So it's funny you talk about coaches, coaches earlier. Because my dad was stern. I was the oldest, so you know, he you know yeah. I had to walk a straight yeah. path. I had to do the right things, and he was a huge character guy. So he didn't care if I got C's in schools, but dang it, I wasn't going to be on yellow or red in elementary school. You know, like I was going to yeah, be green, or if there was a gold, maybe I was going to be a gold. You know, there was no <laughs> yellow or red. Like that was the worst. Like I didn't, like if I failed a math test, cool. Like I can deal with that. But if I was yellow, I didn't want to go home. Like, I'm good. Like, my bad for talking. Uh, so I definitely oh, – what are you going to say? That, I mean, that right there – I mean, that right there is exactly what I started with, right? You mm-hmm. you made sure you were on green or gold out of the fear of what, what would happen if you came home on yellow. Yeah. That, <laughs> that is a motivating fact. That's exactly that's – I got to get off the primary fact. colors. That's I need right. secondary. I need, something. <laughs> I need something to say I was great today. <laughs> right like you you made sure you were that like you were motivated right. by fear of what would happen yep. of the beating you would catch if you weren't on your oh it was your, a beating your, baby your it was a beating i'll right. tell you that right now exactly exactly so now how do we apply that to um you know in our adult lives mm-hmm. right well we all have mm-hmm. responsibilities and sometimes you know the fear of not being able to pay our bills or not being able to take care of our family like that. That's a legitimate why that is a legitimate push. Um, Mm -hmm. However, and I think this ties back into society when things are, when things are given to us freely and handed to us and everything is so made so easily obtainable and we don't have, we don't feel that fear. Then, then where is our where is our motivation where is our purpose to get up and go and do it for ourselves well i mean it as an adult you know if you are a and honestly i think it it goes back to how the individual was raised mm-hmm. as if in their adult life if they're going to carry out that that drive, that motivation, if you will, for a fear of not being able to pay your bills, not being able to pay your mortgage, your car note, things like that. Um, because that's how you have to, you have to do those things to survive. Right. Sure. Yeah. 
in order to prosper. So it's like I, I, I think it really boils down to how, how you're raised. And then when you have kids, like we talked about, it's how you're raising those individuals. I I think that plays a role, obviously, being raised, but I, I still think it has got more to do with the, the, the end goal and the driving force behind your decision-making. I don't think it's strictly just how you were raised. And an example could be is you have have this issue where men don't want to get married. They don't want to get married because they see all the negatives of divorce and they see how they're behind the eight ball in terms of the legal systems and with kids and alimony and stuff like that. So they they don't have that push to get married because they're not inspired enough to love someone else enough. Do you think that's from personal experiences of either a their parents or their close friends' parents getting divorced, things like that? Because I, from ever since I can remember remembering, <laughs> I never thought about not being married or 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 having a fear of not wanting I, to be married. Right? I no. I think it's. I think it goes back to what Dan was saying. Though there's no. People don't have turmoil anymore. They don't have hard times. They don't get told no, or they don't sit, get told they're a failure, or you screwed up. Mm-hmm. Try again. Work harder. Because all those those same men that don't want to get married, they probably had six, seven, eight, nine, ten failed relationships because they don't know what they don't know what to do. They don't know how to fix themselves right. because they don't have the desire to get fixed. Right, they see that, and, and go back to his three laws. The dominating emotion is, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get suckered into all this problem. What? And then that's just the driving force from every relationship going forward. Is I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to open the doors. What? I'm going to make sure my heart won't be broken because if it does get broken, I lose half my crap. Right. So it's a change in the mentality and change in the psychology behind someone. To say, okay, you should want to get married to do this. Find the woman that agrees with you to do the following, that inspires you, that pushes you to go into that next level. And I, that goes beyond just being raised a proper way. Those, there's, I'm sure there's a ton of great guys out there that just aren't married because they're, you know, they, they see this stuff. And the social media and everything else behind it. I think that's more... I mean, there's definitely and, and, a societal factor to it, hundred percent. Because that's all they're posting. I mean, there's because there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's billboards and all that, all the time about undo I do. That is huge down here in Atlanta. So many billboards. Undo I do. As a teenager, as a young male, what do you expect? You see yeah. boards like that. Undo I do. Hell, why do I want to get right. married? Why? Why right. do I want to put myself in that situation? Right, right, th- exactly. But that—that's part of marketing. But right. well, that has nothing to be. That has nothing to be raised. Your 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 parents aren't sitting there and saying, but you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, they're raising you to be a good guy. But they're raising you to be a good guy right. in general, not a good guy to a woman or a good guy to whatever. Yeah, they they're raising. Yes, hundred percent. They are. You are. You are giving. You are giving. You are. Your values are instilled in you by your parents. Correct. Yes. Okay. Which so, but not exclusively. If you have parents that are, if you have parents that are, if you have parents that are together throughout your whole childhood, okay, 
and it's a good relationship. Those values of seeing your parents happy, loving, going out, doing stuff, all this, you know, all these great emotions, that's going to drive you to, to, to do that, to find that person. Mm-hmm. Despite, I disagree. Despite all that crap, you know, societal forces and all that. that that's my opinion. Yeah, I know I it's the right one, but it's. <laughs> I disagree. I think I think they're wrong. they're raising you to, to instill values and morals and ethics, to uh-huh. take you where you want to go in life. So it, again, they motivate you to get you to married age, but you got to be inspired to want to take that next. They step. They can inspire you to be like them. I inspire to be my father, so. I mean, when you find somebody who you can connect to, mm-hmm. and when you find examples in your life that you can connect to, that's what's uplifting, right? Because mm-hmm. now you now you have a you have a pragmatic examples right in front of you. Of this person is living the life that I want to live. That right there is is when you can see what your goal is and when you can see what your dream is and it's being lived out and you then know that it's quote um, that you know that it's possible because it's visually right there in front of you Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden uh, now all of a sudden you're like okay I've seen it and this is what I need to do to go to to do that for myself right Mm -hmm. because we all have role models and we all have people that we look up to and I'll tell you what my dad is my biggest role model, and for everything that I have learned what to do from him, I have equally or more so have learned what not to do from him. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. Okay? Um, because he's a good role model, and I use my, my parents as, as this example. My parents have gone through hell and back over a 35-year marriage, right? And they, they have gone through a lot of things that would lead to divorce, and they've also gone through a lot of things that that show uh, that a love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. And b that is that it is very possible to forgive and to live in the real world. Good, mm-hmm. bad, or, good and mm-hmm. bad. Like I, I, I always say to them. I said they are an example of a real relationship. They're not. A fairy tale relationship. They're not an ideal relationship. They are a real relationship because they've gone through things that should break them, and they've gone through things that, and those same things that should break them have only made them stronger, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what you so then if we want to take this example, uh, on a short term, or on a on a, a micro level, it might be, well, I want to I want to be happy with my wife, and I want to live. I want to have a good family and I want to live that the quote unquote ideal way, like good wife, good family, good job, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the macro level, it's I want to go through this journey with somebody who can connect with me and, and somebody who I can connect with. And when, when one of us is down, the other person helps lifts us back up. When, when, we are going through the bottom time, the, the the hard times, and we're down at the bottom. We remember circling back. We remember mm-hmm. the why we did this in the first place. Mm-hmm. We remember why we're doing this, and those are the reasons that will, instead of allowing situations to break us, bond us together and make us even stronger. Mm-hmm. So the bond of becoming 
strong in your relationship, that's what's uplifting. That's what's inspiring. But we're mm-hmm. motivated by, oh, well, hey, I could I could have a nice, I could have a good family, I could have some good kids, I could do the, the, the quote unquote, the life, mm-hmm. right, and send them to college and do that kind of stuff, right? But if we're in it just for that, that's not going to last. Right. Right. It's just not. It's just not going to last because I think innately, maybe because of a survival mechanism, I think people are selfish. Mm-hmm. I think, it, but I think that's a survival mechanism because when, as the saying goes, when push comes to shove, most people are going to look out for themselves. And that's survival, right? That's fight or flight, and that's them fighting for themselves. Uh, maybe exactly. or yeah. may, or maybe maybe hmm. they're fleeing or maybe they're fleeing for themselves. It could it could also be that there are plenty of people who say, "Well, I left for me," right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, that, but and maybe I guess I guess that's situational, as Pat McAfee likes to say, situations are situational. <laughs> yeah. it's one of my most favorite quotes. <laughs> um, but but at the same time, for those of us who are Catholic and Christian and, and, you know, vows mean something and, and being married under the law of God means something. Mm. And that's what we can connect to when the people around us and or ourselves, um, aren't living up to our end of the deal. And maybe, maybe it's us ourselves who, who felt, who fallen short. Maybe it's somebody else, but then it's like, well, that person is not my number one. That person is my number two. God is my number one. My spouse is my number two. So my relationship with God is is greater and stronger, and that's what's going to keep me in the lane that I need to be in. So that way, I can I can properly address the lane that my my significant other is in. So I think that's in the a, future. That's a good way I, I to would approach that. I would love to have you back on for an episode where, because I was really intrigued by what you said earlier about, or just a few seconds ago, about how innately we go and it's more of a fight or flight response. You know, we're selfish in uh, in certain situations. We, we look out for ourselves. I'm very intrigued by to get your opinion and your thoughts on people who have been together for years and years and years and years and years like your parents right 35 years of marriage plus however long they were seeing each other beforehand and then a young couple and Mm -hmm. different situations of do you really think that someone would just totally think of themselves if it's a and i don't know if this is what you're alluding to if it's something of a like uh someone coming to a grocery store with a gun right and they're coming and they're coming down the aisle and you take off running, but you leave your wife, right? <laughs> Is that, I mean, are you going to that extreme? Is that what you're like kind of alluding to? Cause I, I, I would love to like do a podcast on that. Cause I feel like we could really expand on it, mm-hmm. but yeah, we can, we can definitely do a, another, another episode on human nature. I study human natures for a living, right? Um, okay. That's, that's secondarily what I study more than anything else is human nature. Mm-hmm. And which is what, which is exactly what kind of got me down this rabbit hole of, of motivation and inspiration in the first place. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted I wanted to understand more on a deeper level why why people do the things that they do or why they don't do the things that they do. So in karate, mm-hmm. there's a 
an expression that I use that there's a natural reaction and then there's a trained response. And we all have that, right? Mm-hmm. There is a there is a natural reaction to a situation. So okay, here's a good example. My nat I'm a I I get hot fast, but I'm hot and I'm hot and short. Like my fuse is fast mm-hmm. and I'll ex- <laughs> I'll explode over something, but then as soon as it's done I'm over it. I don't dwell on it. I don't sit on it. It's when it's done, it's done. Right. I'm I'm hot. I'm hot and fast. But in the moment, no matter whom it is, if I'm arguing with somebody and I explode like that, that's my natural reaction. But that does not necessarily mean it's it's the most productive. Right. Mm Because that could completely shut down the other person. So maybe going through therapy or, or learning from others, I've developed or working on developing a, a better way of, okay, uh, I have to remain calm. I have to mm-hmm. take a step back. I have to allow space. Well, that's a trained response. That's not that's not how I would instinctly react to something. Of course. <laughs> right. right. So right. that's that's a trained response, but, but it's probably better. It's probably more healthier, and it's probably more productive to, re, to respond that way. And, and mm-hmm. now whomever I'm arguing with, they don't feel shut down. They don't feel like they're not being listened to. They don't, you know, they're, now they are feeling validated because I'm not just uh, coming at them. Yeah. So, right. I think, I think innately going back to that, I think innately human beings are selfish people, but I don't think it's, it's specific to hu- to humans, right? The animal kingdom is like that. It's survival of the right. fittest. Of and course. at the end of the day, who, you know, the, the, the males or the pride or the, the alphas, they eat first. Hey, it's, 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 I get to do this first and then the rest, you can have what's left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But just because that's how we are, maybe, um, where's the evolution process to that? Too, ev- yeah. Right? From an evolution standpoint, that doesn't mean we can't, that does not mean we have to be victims of that. We can learn right. to be unselfish. We can learn to give ourselves to others. We can learn to put others first. Uh, the word samurai, since I connect to the martial arts, the word samurai means to serve. That's mm-hmm. literally what it translates as. It translates as to serve. I live my life, that's the way that I approach things. I am here for the service of others. I think Dr. Mangan can can uh, connect to that as well. Like In the way that he goes about his practice, the way that I know most chiropractors go about their practice is I am here to serve you. Um but, but I will say this, because I am a human being, I also recognize that I have a need to be needed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so if, if, if my, that's, that's my outlet, that's how I satisfy that desire, that need for me. I have a need to be needed. So right. teaching and doing what I do, although I do it for others, Maybe that's selfish of me because I'm doing it so that way I feel either validated or accomplished or whatever it is for myself, right? So, mm-hmm. well, let's leave it at that. We don't, let's not make a whole new episode. We can really go down, <laughs> and that sounds very interesting and straight up does. in my alley of conversation. I am a sucker for human behavior and human emotion and how people respond to certain situations. So we'll definitely put that on the docket of things to talk about. For sure, for sure. Uh, with that said, I know you need to get going here, Dan, so we won't take up too much of your time. Uh, go finish that wonderful drink at Ambassadors. 
get a nice another nice cigar or whatever you plan for the evening. Um, I want to thank you for coming back on with us. Uh, you're always fun to talk to. And, and Dub, Christian, if you guys ever get up here, we'll go to Ambassadors and, nice. and we can sit for hours and talk with this guy. That's he what I'm talking is about. Sounds full good of great talking points and, and just fantastic. So uh, we're going to end the episode here. Yeah, we'll definitely reach out, comments, let us know if you got any questions for Sensei Dan or any other topics. We look forward to doing this again with him. On that note, oh, Nugget, don't we, Dub? Do we got yeah. one for the yes. like, Nugget? Don't forget. Was he Dude, I almost did. Nugget? I almost did. Bro, yeah, almost, almost did. did. Wow. Go ahead. Throw your he nugget out. Very, he would have wow. got a strongly worded I'm uh, sorry, Sensei letter. Dan. Kip okay. almost ruined it all for us right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was um, – Looking up uh, interesting facts about video games, and this one came up. Um, so there was a study done by the Archives of Surgery, and they determined that doctors who play video games for more than three hours a week make fewer operating room errors. Yeah, uh, their study, before. yeah, their study concluded that if they do uh, three hours or more per week, there's a there was a thirty seven percent fewer surgical errors than those who didn't. Um, and they also perform about 27% faster. So, which is yeah. kind of crazy to think about, but you know, they determine because of all the hand-eye coordination, correct? Um, the fine motor skills, visual attention, depth perception, all of that good stuff, you know, they also, they also, uh, back to like the 20%, um, decision-making mm. quickly, right. Emergency mm-hmm. room yeah. doctors. Right. And, uh, yeah. So I have heard that before, and that's why I think I'm very good with my hands. And what there you I go. So, because I <laughs> go well beyond that three hours a week, but well, I'll crush that out in an afternoon, man. Right. <laughs> so, on behalf of WD and Christian, my name is Kip. A big thank you again to Sensei Dan. Yes, thank you. We will see you all. We will see you all next time. Good day.